Grace and mercy and peace be with you, my dear friends in Christ, from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. Amen. 150 years. It's amazing that we are here 150 years after this congregation was chartered. As we begin today, though, I, I am just curious, by a show of hands, is there anybody here who is 150 years old? Okay, I just, I just wanted to check we are an accommodating and hospitable place, because if anybody was 150, I would be telling Glenn to turn my microphone up so that you could hear me project nice and loud and clear. It's, it's amazing to think over the last 150 years of all the technological advances, right, that, that I could just turn my microphone up. You think way back to the time of Jesus when he was preaching to the crowds, right? And, and the scriptures talk about how Jesus would preach to thousands of people and isn't it amazing to, to think about how it is that the voice of Jesus was able to carry to all of the crowds? Do you know how he did it? Not with modern technology, but with his 12 decibels. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Peter Pietella, for that. All right. Um, you know Peter. All right. Moving on to something more serious. 150 years. 150 years, the Civil War had just wrapped up two years prior. Andrew Johnson was president. The Upper Peninsula of Michigan is a rugged and remote wilderness. This western Upper Peninsula was being developed for the sole purpose, mostly, of finding copper. Now, I don't need to belabor the point of the copper mining history. Most of you are familiar with that, but I will tell you, as you saw in the video, it was miners, German Lutheran miners. Uh, those who were serving up at the Cliff Mine by, by Phoenix, Delaware area, and those down here in the Portage Lake District, that desired to have a Lutheran-trained pastor come and serve them. They desired to have a congregation. Those founding members of the church were, were, were these men and their families, Matthias Wiedenhofer, Frederick Vermuth, George Braun, Louis Zane, and Christian Burmore. At that time, the Missouri Synod denomination itself was only 20 years old, and these charter members wrote to the Synod's first president, C.F.W. Walther, and through his coordination with the Michigan District President, I.E. Wibben, was sent here as the first pastor. I often wonder what life was like here in this area at that time. I can imagine that, that life was pretty difficult. I mean, we know that this still is quite the rugged and remote wilderness, especially in the winter. It must have been tough going. I suppose by the 1860s, the town centers were becoming more and more developed, yet it was still much different than it is today. If I were to ask you, what are the bare essentials that you need for survival? What are the bare essentials? I bet all of us probably would have the same kind of list, right? Bare essentials for survival, food, water, air, shelter. I'm sure you could add to that list and make it a little bit more granular, but food, water, air, shelter. And those earliest settlers probably had the same sort of list as well. Yet I believe that people do not just desire in life to simply survive. Unless you're forced into an actual survival situation, people don't just want to survive in life. People instead desire to thrive. To thrive. It's built into us as human people. And so that's why today we gather under these words that in Christ we are alive to thrive. Alive to thrive. So if I were to ask you, all right, here's the basic essentials for living, food, water, air, shelter, but 
what is it for you that allows you to have a life that thrives? A thriving life. What would you add to that list? What allows you to have a thriving life? I've come up with a couple of examples that may differ our, or our list from those who chartered this church 150 years ago. I bet for us, for a thriving life, we might say electricity and all of the things that go along with electricity, right? Well, if that's what it takes for you to thrive, you wouldn't have done too well 150 years ago because electricity wasn't brought here for another 20 years after the founding of this congregation. Now, what about the telephone, perhaps? Some of you are, some of the kids are looking and saying, that's a strange looking robot, right? <laughs> a telephone, right? And, and if you were thinking that a telephone is what you need to, th to thrive, to have that communication, to even have a simple telephone, you probably would have had to wait around 50 years. Now, for those of you who say that you can't thrive without a smartphone, well, you would have had to wait 140 years because the iPhone is only 10 years old this year. Think about that. And one last one, how about some modern indoor plumbing, right? If you want a little modern indoor plumbing, well, that too, you may have had to wait for another good 50 years or so as modern plumbing wasn't really uh, popularized until the 20s or 30s, they say. Now, some of you I know are still going to the bathroom out in the woods. I don't, I mean, <laughs> this is the UP and all. I, sorry, I shouldn't have said it like that. <laughs> you know, the, the, what does it take for us to thrive, right? What does it take for us to thrive? Our definition is obviously different than those charter members of the congregation, yet there's one thing that we have in common. It's this church. This church. Those earliest settlers, they knew that they needed a church. They needed a church. Those earliest settlers of the Kyber country did not just want to survive. They wanted to thrive, and in order to thrive, they found it necessary to create a church. And why was this? Because God, throughout time, has always commanded his people to gather together. And why does he command his people to gather? Because where his people gather, God guarantees that he is going to show up. And when God shows up, stuff happens. When his word is proclaimed into our lives for our forgiveness. When his sacraments are given to us for the forgiveness of our sins. When God's people gather together in all humbleness and sincerity, he gathers us together as a family of Christ. That's what those earliest settlers wanted, and here we are today. Fruit of their labor. But what is our perspective on this church? What's our perspective of our gathering? Is it simply a nice convenience? Is it a, a nice addition to what we have going on in our lives? Just a nice convenience where we can learn and grow and have fun and have friends? Or is it a necessity? Is it a necessity for us? And I would argue that it is a necessity for us. It's a necessity for us in our lives to gather together as God's people because Jesus shows up. Jesus shows up here when his word is proclaimed into our lives, mine included, for the forgiveness of our sins. 
Jesus shows up in the waters of holy baptism to claim people as his very own. Jesus shows up today in his very body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus shows up when his people embrace one another with a heartfelt hug in times of joy and in times of adversity. Therefore, if we're honest, the church does not just exist for us to thrive, but it also exists for us, I would say, even to survive. And it's not just about a building, it's about people. As Pastor Paul mentioned, this church has had a couple of different buildings. But it's always been about the people. The church exists where God's people gather together to have his word proclaimed and to receive the sacraments. Pastor Paul read for us from John chapter 15 a little bit ago. And we heard there Jesus speak these words. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If you take a cluster of grapes and separate it from the vine, that's it. That's the end of it, right? When you buy the grapes in the store, they keep it on that branch so that the life of the grape can survive just a little bit longer. But I don't know if, if the same thing happens to you when you buy some grapes and you get home and you put them in the fridge, you reach into the bag and a couple of them are mushy, right? And you got to throw them out. And if you leave them there long enough, the whole thing just withers and dries up, right? That's it. If you cut the branch from the vine, that is it. One way we can read this image in John is that as the church, we are like a branch. And every one of us are grapes. Every one of us are grapes attached to the branch, and the branch is attached to the vine, which is Jesus Christ himself. And when we are connected to the vine of Jesus Christ, there is where life is. And so long as we abide on that vine and do not remove ourselves from the truth that is Jesus Christ, we will bear fruit, and the fruit will continue to grow, and the fruit will continue to multiply. But we might ask ourselves this, and we might, we might challenge this presumption. We might say, well, if that's the case, if we're connected to Jesus and fruit flourishes, what about when it seems that life's falling apart? When it seems like sin is winning the day, when it seems like sin and temptation and brokenness are winning, what's that to say about this life of Jesus Christ? I don't know if you know this, but grapevines that are stressed produce better wine. Grapevines that are stressed produce better wine. They sink deeper roots. They focus their energy on making better and delicious fruit and not focusing their energy on making more wood. You know what that means for us as a church? So long as we remain attached to Jesus Christ, Jesus is interested in you as people, as the fruit, as building you up so that you can flourish. He's not just interested in building bigger buildings. Yes, there are times when we are even connected to Jesus Christ where it might seem like things are impossible. It might seem like things are falling apart. I can't imagine how many times in this church is 150 years that people have experienced that feeling of helplessness. And yet it is in those moments that Jesus with his loving arms, reaches into our lives and he says, I've got you. Your life exists because of me. Stay connected to me. Stay attached to one another who are attached to me. And I will be with you. And 
God will give you fruit, more fruit, beautiful fruit. And not just fruit for your own, but fruit in you that will multiply and grow. That through you, more people will receive the good news of salvation in Jesus. That more people will inherit eternal life where in eternity thriving exists forever. My friends, over the last 150 years, thousands and thousands of people have considered Saints Peter and Paul their family. And we write our names in that book. We are here, we consider you, I consider you my family, my dear brothers and sisters in Christ. Let us remain fixed to the vine that is Jesus Christ, and when we abide in him, he will abide in us. He will see us through joy and adversity, he will see us through life and death. And not only will he allow us to survive for now and through eternity, but in that survival, we will also be thriving. And that is why for the next 150 years, it is my prayer that you would know that in Christ, we are alive to thrive. In the name of Jesus, amen.